This is us. These are the significant things that happened in our history. These are the places where God met with us. These are the places where we made mistakes and, and blew it. This is a history of what has happened to us. And they're looking back. It's about, you know, even to the time when in the temples, about, they're looking back about 500 years later, it was written down. So it's not written down just when it actually happened. So let's just think of some of the, the significant events in their history. They were a people that were descendants from Abraham. They became a nation with 12 tribes named after Jacob's 12 sons. They began living in Egypt and they were enslaved by the Egyptians, but God delivered them from slavery under Moses' leadership and the nation was committed to a relationship with God and the God who had created the whole universe. And Moses gave them the first five books of the Old Testament. And in one of those books, the book of Deuteronomy, he reminded them that how that they weren't chosen for because they were very for anything special, but says this in Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 7, God did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your forefathers that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commands. Even at that time, when they, as they went into the promised land, they, were, they went into this place and they, they met with these two mountains and they were given uh, two lots of things. They were the blessings. If you do the right thing, this is what God will do for you. But if you do the wrong thing, these are, the, this is, these are going to be the consequences of it. And there's a great big long list of this whole chapters in the, the, back, the bottom half, back half of, uh, of Deuteronomy, right towards the end of the book. You, you read chapters of all these lists of all of these things. Do this and God will bless you. If you don't do it, if you do the wrong thing, God is going to punish you in this particular way. And so that's, what, that's, that's some, of their, some, some of their significant history. But we'll just go on and look at some more developments in their history. Moses led the Israelites to the edge of the, edge of the promised land. And by the time they got there, they showed that they were a whinging, complaining people that liked to rebel and go their own way. Joshua led them into the land, and he was from the tribe of Ephraim. And he succeeded Moses, but, and none of his sons actually followed on to succeed him and to be a, the, a leader of the Israelites. Ephraim became the dominant tribe. It was the main significant tribe. It was one of Joseph's sons and it meant he was fruitful. It was a big tribe. It was the biggest of the tribes. And it was a significant tribe that really was the, the driving force of the nation in many ways. The tabernacle was uh, put up in, the, in parts of their territory in places like Shechem and Bethel and Shiloh and other places. Ephraim was the, the main tribe that was the leading tribe in the, in the nation. And uh, Joseph's, you know, a powerful influence gradually started to decline and then the other kings came in. I'm giving you a quick overview of some of the things you've already heard in, over the, the last few weeks as well and uh, sort of just touching into, on a few other things that may not have been mentioned. And so Benjamin, from the tribe of Benjamin, Saul became king and the judges had ruled up until that time. But then the tribe of Judah became prominent. In fact, Jacob had predicted that this would happen. We read in Genesis chapter 49, 
You are a lion's cub, O Judah. You return for prey, my son, like a lion. He crouches and lies down like a lioness who dares to rouse him. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he comes to whom it belongs and obedience of the nations is his. It, it talked in terms of how the Judah was going to be the common, prominent tribe and from the tribe of Judah, the Lord Jesus would come. In fact, in Psalms, it says that he rejected the tents of Joseph. He did not choose the tribe of Ephraim, but he chose the tribe of Judah, Mount Zion, which he loved. He chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheep pens, from tending the sheep and brought him to be shepherding his people, Jacob, of Israel, his inheritance. David shepherded them with integrity of heart and with the skillful hands he led them. And so God ensured that the, uh, that the people were given the leader that he wanted from the family that he wanted to be there in leadership. And so as we move on to the, the book of Chronicles and we go back to the book where we, passage where we started with our reading, God kept all his promises to the Israelites, but they failed to live up to their responsibilities. And the Israelites had got been taken into captivity because they had disobeyed God, because they hadn't followed God. And they returned after these 70 years in captivity and these, these, these words were written down that we've read tonight. The books called First and Second Chronicles explained their past history. The Lord can say, this is all that happened. This is where we made mistakes. This is where we went wrong. But here, as we look at our Bible reading, God connected with them and he spoke to, to, to Solomon after he dedicated the temple and prayed. The message included instructions for the, the nation and also it included instructions for their king. They had failed to live up to this. And I wonder as the, the people who had come back into the land had come back from that captivity, they might, some of them might have said, Oh, what if we had done the right thing? I wonder what might have happened. What if we had done the right thing? And so let's just think briefly of, of what was said in these verses themselves. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. These people realised that their responsibility for connecting with God started with following the directions they'd been given. Isn't it true that most men, when they buy something, they open the box, they start putting it together, and when they get stuck, they go and look at the directions. Is that right, that a lot of men like that? The wives would say yes, nod their heads, yeah. But not everybody, but quite a number of people are like that, aren't they? In the spiritual realm, we need to be following God's directions. And here in these verses is a recipe for maintaining and keeping a close relationship with God, to remain connected to him and keeping close contact with him. If my people, who are called by my name, back in the Old Testament times, it was the Israelites. For us today, it's the Christians, because in some of the language that's used to describe the Israelites is used in the New Testament. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5, it says, You like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. goes on in that same chapter, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, 
a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That's a description of those of us who know and love the Lord Jesus. Those of us who have repented of our sin and turned to him and asked the Lord Jesus Christ to be the Lord, our Lord and Saviour. And we as Christians are called upon to discharge our responsibilities to the Lord. One of the phrases that Lord Jesus used was to deny ourselves, take up our cross daily and follow him. That's what we're expected to do. We could go on and we could talk for, at length. We could go on for hours talking about what our responsibilities are as a Christian. If my people who are called by my name, those of us who know the Lord Jesus, those of us who are his representatives, those of us, as, the, as it says in 2 Corinthians 5, are, the, are ambassadors for Christ, his representatives here on this earth. If we will, if my people are called by his name, and the next thing we're told is to humble themselves or humble ourselves. A few weeks ago on a Sunday morning, I was speaking from Ephesians chapter 4. And I read these, these were the, the, one of the verses that I referred to. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Be completely humble. That's what we're asked to be. The Apostle Paul described himself, I am less than least of all God's people. A humble person is a person who has a low, import, low opinion about one's self-importance. In other words, it's not all about me. Many of us live our lives that way. That's, life's all about me, about what I need and what I can get and how that I should be looked after, and so on and so forth. Humility is the opposite of that. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, it says, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Paul, as he spoke to the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20, said, I served the Lord with great humility and tears, although I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews. Of course, we're also... Similarly, in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6, we're told to humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. And this passage is addressing particularly church leaders. And those of us in leadership need to be walking humbly with God. Every, all of us are called to walk humbly with God. But particularly if you're a leader, uh, you need to be working in humility, not doing it for glory, doing your, your ser serving God because you want God to be glorified and, God, and the Lord reminds us of that continually. To humble, if you humble yourselves. And these people, had, and of course as these people were reading these words, they're thinking, if only we as a nation had done this. If only we had followed this recipe. We wouldn't have got into the trouble. Maybe we wouldn't have gone into captivity and so on. They, I'm sure they were thinking about that. Some of them did anyhow. And then they were told, and it, said, it goes on and says, and pray and seek my face. If you're humbling yourself, often it's in, in relation to prayer. That well-known parable about the Pharisee and the publican. You know, the Pharisee goes into church, goes into the, into the temple and he's praying and he, it's all about him and he uses the word I and me all the time. And there's the, the poor old publican and he says, God, be, be merciful to me, a sinner. Humility and prayer go together. 
Praying and seeking God's face. Praying is simply speaking to God. And that can be done on a personal basis or that can be done on a corporate basis or it can be done in a family basis. It can be done in or a small group or whatever. And it can be done at any time of day or night, 24 hours, seven days a week. God never slumbers or sleeps and God always wants to hear us to pray. So, and we can go on, it says in Philippians chapter 4, to take everything to God in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving to make our requests made known to God. And so we need to be taking all aspects of our life. We need to be talking to God about all areas of our life. We need to be talking to God and, uh, and consulting him if we're a follower of the Lord Jesus and talking to him about things. But also, it goes, verse goes on and says, and turn from their wicked ways. Now, of course, there's a biblical term we use for this is repentance, isn't it? And simply repentance means go, I'm going across here. Suddenly I'm turning around, I'm going the other way. That's simply what repentance means, turning around and stop doing something. Now, of course, we can't always do it in our own strength. The Lord Jesus said, except you repent, you'll all likewise perish. And of course, we do that when we become a Christian, repent and be baptised, and follow the Lord, and come to know the Lord. That's what conversion's all about. But also, we're told that if we sin, we should confess our sins, and he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so, that's what we do all of the time. Turning from our wicked ways is not just a one-off thing, I've just done it once. It's a whole attitude, a state of mind. It's a thing that we're doing continually as we become convicted of the things that we're doing wrong. And that can be sometimes as, a, as an individual, that sometimes it can be as a group, sometimes it can be as a church. We might do the wrong thing and we might need to repent and, and ask God to forgive us because we made a mistake. Making a mistake's not the big deal, but not failing to recognise it and to acknowledge it is. And so we in our lives need to be hearing from God praying and seeking his face, turning from their wicked ways. And what's God's promise? Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. God promised this to the nation of Israel. But God also promises that to those of us here tonight, if we as individuals will follow this recipe because there are lots of other scriptures that would, ver would sort of support what this is saying would explain this and elaborate on it further uh, we don't have time tonight to look at all of this many other scriptures but just to say that God will hear from heaven and he will forgive our sin and he will bring healing he will bring the change in our life that he wants these words were, were brought as a challenge to these people and the rest of the chapter, as you read on, there's a special word there for Solomon as well at the time. And he blew it as well. He didn't keep to that. And he made the mistakes that were outlined there. If you go read from verse 19 through to verse 22 particularly. And of course, it reminds us that the actions of leaders have, far, uh, have great ramifications and they impact on the people that are under their leadership. And, and, uh, and Solomon made a, made a lot of mistakes. And the consequence of his mistake affected the whole nation of Israel. He did a lot of good things as well. But here it highlights one of the, some of the mistakes that he made. And so, as we come to the end of this 
my time, my talk tonight. How can we maintain a relationship and keep connected to God? What are some of the things that, as you've been here, as you've been sitting here in church, maybe God has been speaking to you and God has been challenging you? First of all, you've got to make up your mind that you're going to do something about it. And so I've put up a bit of an action list as we go through them. First one I'm going to suggest to you is to resolve to spend time in the Word each day. Say, yes, I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to spend more time with God. But when are you going to do it and where are you going to do it? What time of the day? When is it going to fit into your program? When can you spend time with God? And where are you going to do it? I've got the advantage of having a little office down under the house where I can sit. I can go down and sit at my desk and spend time in prayer. You might have to find some place where you can just get away on your own. And you've got to find first the time when you're going to do it that's realistic. So you're not going to be rushed. Second time, you know, where you're going to do it. The next thing is to resolve to commence listening to him personally as you get away. Start, God, what do you want to say to me today? And start asking him to, to speak to you as you speak with him and as you communicate with him, as you pray. Because that's what communication is. Praying is communicate, being in God's presence, allowing him to speak to you and you to speak to him. You know, are there any changes that you might need to make in your program so that you're going to make sure this happens? Of course, we need to be walking in the Spirit and obeying the instructions of His Word. Take some time out maybe to ask God to help you reflect on, on your own walk with Him. Do a little bit of a, a check every now and again of how you're going in your Christian life. Sometimes that's good to do with another person that might be a mentor or a close Christian friend that can help you. Somebody that you have a close connection with that will speak honestly into your life. But reflect on also how God has been at work and in and, 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 in the, all the aspects of your life and service and thank him for him. Do a, draw up an affirmation list and, and, and thank him for some of the things that he is doing. Sometimes people say, God, there's nothing happening in my life. Well, you woke up this morning, didn't you? You had breakfast this morning or you had the opportunity possibly to have breakfast this morning. There are lots of different things in your life and start to acknowledge the things that God is giving to you and see the positive things that God is, is at work and how he's doing things in your life. Because if you can see the positives, it'll encourage you to go on and to live for the Lord. Sure, you can think of the mistakes you've made and, and sure, put them right and, and the things that you've done wrong and the sins you've committed, you need to But reflect on the positives as well. And continue to respond to him as he speaks to us in all of our life situations. Because no matter what's happening in your life, God allows things to come into your life and my life. So that I can grow in grace and in the knowledge of my Lord and Saviour. So they're just a few suggestions. We could go on and on and on. Reflect on how, resolve that you're going to do something about it. Don't just... Think about it. Take some action. Do something. Maybe one or two of those things. And as I've gone through some of those things, you might have thought, it, God might have brought other things into your mind. 
things that are totally different because right now we're going to pause for a moment I'm giving you opportunities to talk to God and say Lord what do you want to say to me tonight are there some of the things that will be mentioned in this service tonight or maybe just something totally different God can speak into your life in whatever way he chooses let's pray together I'm going to moment of silent prayer and then I'll lead in prayer Lord, we want to thank you that we can be in your presence. You're the one who's made this whole universe in which we live, this world in which we're part of. And Lord, you know and understand everything in our life. You understand everything about the struggles and the battles that some of us might have. You know know all the joys and the, the pleasures that each of us are enjoying as well. You know about every aspect of our life. And I pray that you might help us to know what it is to be connected to you and to remain connected to you. Help us to learn the lessons of the past, but Lord, not to live in the past, but help us, Lord, to putting those things which are behind us that we might press on to our high calling in Christ Jesus. Be with each of us now as we have some time of fellowship and as we go our separate ways tonight. May we be encouraged and rejoicing in the things of yourself. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Let's stand together and sing our final song. i yeah.